side. This is the JSK Media Sports Podcast. It is finally that time of the week, the best time of the week. And I could finally say, after a long overdue, I am alongside Sean Schball. Here with Sean Schball. This is Jonah Kligman. This is the podcast where we hang out, talk sports, make some picks, and are sure to play some games at the end. Didn't play those games last week because I didn't have my co-host, but we're back. He'll have a game for me later. So stick around. We'll catch you up on the sports world. But Shawnee, the reason it's been so long is because you've been on some adventures since we've last met on the pod. And on those adventures, I know you went to some cool sports-related places. So uh, tell us a bit about those places you got to go to. Yeah, absolutely. I went to the NBA Hall of Fame in Springfield, and I went to the MLB Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, which were That's just awesome. two awesome experiences. Um, the MLB one is definitely much better. I The M- NBA one was a little disappointing. It felt very... Um, kid based and didn't have a lot of like real history but a lot of like interactive stuff which had some cool moments and I at the end you walk in this huge court like this huge full basketball court that has hoops from different decades of the NBA and they like the wood hoop that they used when they first created the NBA which is really cool to see but it you just can't compare it to Cooperstown it's just so historic it has so much history I think just how long baseball has been a sport there's so much they have there's so many facts there's so much artifacts there's so much history that they have that just makes it so amazing and then walking into the room of all the plaques and seeing all the hall of famers is just amazing and it's something that i've seen so many times i'm sure you have too and getting to actually be there and walk into that room is amazing and just being able to see that history is awesome to see so they're both two great experiences and cooperstown is amazing like every mlb fan should get there at some point in their life all right sticking with cooperstown is there one thing that caught your eye like you wouldn't think they'd put it in a case or that you'd see and you were like wow that's just cool well i think the coolest thing i saw or at least to me was the coolest was they had like a whole hank aaron section and in that section they had a locker from like his actual locker from atlanta which i think was cool and it looked i mean it's like out in the open you can go you can sit in it you can stand in it you can touch every single part of it and it's like the actual wood the actual hooks like everything is directly taken from his locker in atlanta and the fact that you could just like walk up to it and sit in it and and do whatever you want to it is so amazing i think that was one of the coolest parts that is awesome so you did go to the baseball hall of fame and we'll get to that later but you did also go to the nba hall of fame and that'll take us into free agency so you got to see all the history, and now there's new history being made with free agency. Sean, just I'm not I'm not too into NBA free agency, but I know you are. So what's sticking out? And then more importantly, who are the winners and the losers so far? Who do you think has upped their team? Who's made some stupid maybe uh, signings? So uh, what are you seeing so far in the in the early comings of this already very busy NBA offseason and free agency? Yeah, I mean, it's only been a couple of days and there's been so many signings, but my first winner is going to be the Lakers. And I really don't mean this in any biased way, but I truly think that they're the winner of these first couple of days of free agency because they've done exactly what they needed to do. They didn't go out and look for another big name, another star, draw a ton of money and all their salary cap on a third spark because that's not what they needed. They re-signed those role players to fill out a deep roster. They signed 
they re-signed Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura, and Jared Vanderbilt, then signing Torian Prince and Gabe Vincent, along with Jackson Hayes. It gives them the role players they need to fill out their whole lineup. They now have so much depth. They have the old older stars of LeBron and Anthony Davis that can control the ball. They needed guys to surround them and play defense to hit threes, and that's what they did. I, I'm really impressed with how Rob Blinka's handled this free agency and filled out their lineup. I think they're really deep. I think that this is one of the better lineups in the NBA, and I think that they are going to be a um, NBA final, if not champion, contender next year. My second winner is, stick with this, but it's young contract extending players. Guys like LaMelo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Tyrese Halliburton. Well, all these guys have been decent in the NBA, and we've seen maybe Tyrese Halliburton has had some damage to the NBA. None none have done enough to, I think, earn the $260 million extensions that they got. They were given so much money by their teams for guys that haven't really taken their teams anywhere. LaMelo Ball has been hurt, and even that year he was healthy. That didn't His stats didn't end up in winning. Kyle Kuzma has done almost nothing in the NBA, and Halliburton still hasn't taken his team over the top. He's had some good stats, but hasn't led his team to a playoffs or anything. And they got so much money from it. So I think they're the first, they're the next winners of this NBA free agency so far. We're talking free agents. What about the potential departure of Damian Lillard from from Portland? Absolutely. I think it's great for him. I think he is another one of the winners, and the Trailblazers are the losers straight from this. He is amazing. He is an amazing NBA player. We've seen him take the Trailblazers in the playoffs and carry a team. And he's tried and been loyal to the Trailblazers. And I'm all for that loyalty. But at some point, if your team does not surround you with the proper teammates to contend for an NBA title, it's time to move on. We saw with LeBron, he tried to stay loyal to Cleveland and took them to finals, but they never supported him. He never had the pieces around him to where he should have won an NBA title. So it's time to move on. And he went to Miami. And I think that's the same thing Dame will do. That's the same thing I hope Dame will do. Move on. Go to a place that will support him. That'll give him teammates. If you put Damian Lillard, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo in the lineup with Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley in that heat culture, they're an immediate title favorite. So it it's time for him to get traded somewhere like that to be a title contender and to kind of cement himself as an all-time player. He deserves to be. He has that talent, but he just hasn't. He's stuck with the Trailblazers when they haven't done anything for him. So he's not cemented himself as an all-time player yet. But if he can move on to the Heat, he can win a title with them as their first or second option. He'll he'll reach that level. All right, so those were your winners. I think Lillard's also a winner for him. Who are your losers? So other than the Trailblazers, my other loser is going to be the Dallas Mavericks. So they signed Kyrie to a huge three-year, I'm pretty sure, $126 million contract. And listen, we know how great Kyrie is. We know his shot making. We know those handles. We know what he did with the Cavs. But even if he had a decent statistical year last year, when him and Luca were playing together, they had a losing record by a lot. I'm pretty sure in the few games that Kyrie could stay healthy, they are 5-11. They do not play well together. 
They're both ball-dominant guards that want to play ISO basketball. And those are not two players who should be matched up to lead a team together. They stack themselves up with stars, but they don't match. And it doesn't lead to winning. Past all the Kyrie injury and all the -the off-the-court stuff that that he has, now you're putting him in a place where they're not winning. And that should be the first priority, not, oh, yeah, well, Luka has a 30-point triple-double and Kyrie has averaging 26 points, but they're not winning. So I think the Dallas Mavericks are a big loser so far for committing to Kyrie for those three years, giving him so much money and kind of losing the opportunity to fill out their team with more role players for a guy that isn't leading to wins. Right. Who's your early dark horse? I don't want to favorite. I don't want to hear nuggets. You talked about the heat very early. Who's a dark horse where even after some free agent signings or maybe even you feel just in general that has a legitimate chance of winning the NBA championship in 2024, but maybe not an obvious one when you look at the page. I don't. I don't know how obvious. I. I mean, I think the Lakers. I don't know if you could, how much you could consider that a dark horse. I'll take it. I'll take it. But I, I really think the Lakers. I think they did a great job of filling out their lineup in the ways needed. They got guys that have been that have proven they can show up in the playoffs, hit the big shots, and I mean, obviously having LeBron and AD, if they can stay healthy. They're obviously a contender. And then you add in these guys, you add in these role players, you surround them with talent. I, I think that they're a big title contender next year. Before we get into Major League Baseball, I want to congratulate the LSU Tigers on winning the College World Series. And even more so, I want to congratulate Dylan Cruz of those Tigers. He reached base in every single game this season, ending his college career with the 75-game streak of getting on base. In a game like baseball, that is unbelievable, and something terrible would have to happen for him not to go number one overall in a couple weeks in the in the MLB draft. But congratulations to those Tigers. Very fun team. Ran the table there at the end. And Dylan Cruz, we'll see you in a couple years in the big leagues 75 games in a row, Sean, on base. He is He's absolutely incredible. Just a pure contact hitter. That's such a great approach and finds hits. You're not seeing him swing for the fences. He's, he's dropping those balls in. He's finding the open space. And then his great speed on the bases and is a fantastic center fielder. I mean, he has everything on a baseball field. All right, let's get into Major League Baseball. And we can't start it off without talking about this. Domingo Herman. 24th perfect game in MLB history. This this is the reason right here why baseball is the best game in the world. In his four prior starts, he had an ERA of 850. And in his last two games, 15 earned runs. And then did something that has smaller than a 1% chance of happening. I mean, just wild to go from having an awful month to literally throwing perfection it's it's insane the fact that someone could go for he was fighting for a starting spot i was heard i was hearing article i was reading articles about how he might be taken out of the starting rotation for how bad he's been and then comes out and does something like that's only been done 23 other times in the history of baseball is incredible all right sean do you know the opposite of perfection it's alec manoa in his first start and rookie ball. There's throwing a perfect game in the major leagues, and then there's what he did in rookie ball. We we talked about when he went down to rookie ball, but in his first game against 
the Florida Complex League Yankees. Not even, you know, the Chattanooga whatever or the OKC whatever. A Florida Complex League Yankees in his first game there went two and two-thirds, 11 and run, gave up 10 hits, two home runs, only struck out three, and had two walks. This is a guy who had a 224 ERA last year. This is a guy who had 180 strikeouts last year and is now getting tattooed, getting plummeted in rookie ball. It's not even the minors, rookie ball. I just got to say, oh, how the mighty fall. It's so sad to see. He was an all-star. He was incredible last year, and it fell off so quickly. I mean, I don't know what's happening with him. I don't know what's happening with mechanics, whatever it is, but hopefully he can figure it out and get back up to MLB because we know he has the talent. Absolutely. And talk about a guy who was in rookie ball and coming up is Ellie Dela Cruz. We talked about him and he's hitting 307. He's hitting great. And the other day I was just kind of thinking, especially with switch hit guys, what are his splits like? So, you know, I go to the baseball reference and I look and against righties, he's hitting 369 and against lefties, he's hitting 130. So I go, I mean, obviously it's a small sample size, but it just kind of reminds me of Cedric Mullen who before his 2021 breakout season, he was great from the left side. He was a switch hitter, awful from the right side, and decided I'm just going to stick left and had that breakout season in 2021. So looking at Ellie De La Cruz, I know it's small. I thinking maybe something like that. We've seen his power and his ability from the left side. Why not try it out? So then I go, well, all right, let me see what he hit in the minors. So I go to his minor league page and the minors Against lefties, he's hitting 333, and against righties, he's hitting 277. So it's opposite. In the minors, it was much less drastic. Looking at the majors, there's a more than a 200%, not a 200%, but a 200 point difference, much smaller, just about 60 in the minors, but still it's flipped, which is so strange. And again, I've said it now, this is my third time, it's a small sample size. But really interesting to see how in the majors, those splits have sort of changed. And it kind of threw my my uh, preemptive idea to, to stick lefty if when in the minors, he was actually hitting better as a right-handed hitter. But really interesting to see those splits and crazy how big of a gap it is in the majors against righties. I, I mean, I mean, against lefties hitting just 130. Yeah, I mean, that's wild. It's it's crazy how it's switched I think that's the craziest part to me is you, you see people with the drop off for lefties and righties especially with switch hitters like you said Cedric Mullins but the fact that in the minors he's a complete opposite makes no sense I mean I think like you said it's a really small sample size and if this continues through the year maybe next year he comes back with that lefty only approach but you never know maybe he just doesn't have as many against lefties many IBs against lefties and it's just taking him time to figure that out before he can start hitting them. But I think by the end of the year, if there's still this dramatic of a drop-off, he should just commit to hitting lefty. I mean, his right hand is the dominant hand, and we've seen him throw 100 across the diamond. So clearly has a lot of power on his right side, which makes sense. But then when you come to the majors, that left-handed, any pitching in Major League Baseball is going to be astronomically better than the minors. Yeah. But lefties in the majors versus lefties in the minors, there's a difference. Big difference. You know, so so you could be on your dominant side and then 
you see those two seams or those good lefty curveballs and, and it's a different ball game. But I want to talk about that time, Sean, show time, and I don't even know where to begin. Uh, it, it's I, I'm going to barf out a ton of numbers, but it it's um it, it's beyond the numbers. It's beyond anything. He's felt like I, he had 22 home runs, and I blinked, and now he's at 30. But Sean, I'm pretty sure Shohei Otani just had the best month ever as a baseball player. He just had the best 30 days calendar month that a baseball player has ever played on this planet. And what is so incredible, I was just listening to Mike Trout talk to Todd Frazier on a podcast, and Mike Trout was saying the pitching is just so good. And the velo, Todd Frazier was saying when he played, the velo was 91-92, and Trout's like, now there's just guys coming out of the bullpen throwing 104 like it's nothing. So the fact that Otani is hitting as he is in in this day, he has better stats than some people ever, and against the best pitching is unreal. So just want to put that out there, that the game is harder than it's ever been, and he's doing something that's never been done. But this month, in June, June's now over, in June, as a pitcher, he had five starts, didn't miss a start, went 30.1 innings, so averaged more than six innings a start, had 37 Ks in those 30.1 innings, had a 3.26 ERA and a .6 WAR. He pitched 30 innings this month, and along that, he hit 15 home runs. That's essentially every other game or less. 29 RBIs, so averaging pretty much an RBI a day, even on off days. A 1.444 OPS a higher than 1,400 OPS, a 279 WRC+, and a 2.8 WAR as a hitter. Hitting-wise, unbelievable. Pitching-wise, incredible because he's also hitting. I saw a stat that showed how through 84 games last year, Judge had the 30 home runs, and how through 84 games this year, Shohei has 30 home runs. That stat is insulting to Shohei Otani. Insulting. Because every fifth day, Aaron Judge is just playing right field, and every fifth, sixth day, Shohei's pitching and striking out like 10 guys a game. So to compare him to Aaron Judge, that is insulting to Shohei Otani and insulting to me, Sean. (laughs) Just as an advocate for Shohei. But home run hitters, they don't hit triples. Shohei does. Has 19 triples on the year. He's on pace this year for 60 home runs and 200 Ks as a pitcher. In June, he's the first player in MLB history to have at least 25 extra base hits, 20 walks, and 15 home runs in a single month. He's the only player, aside from Sammy Sosa in 1998, to have 30 home runs and 10 stolen bases before July. The list goes on of these crazy stats, but it's not funny. I'm not laughing. It's just so crazy. I just, I really, I really can't get over it. And I'm just so thankful that my time on the earth got to overlap with Shohei Otani's. I think another crazy part of it is I just looked up his stats while you were talking because they're just so unbelievable that I think if you take out the pitching and you throw him in right field, I don't know, it's Shohei. He could play right field. He'd be as good as anyone else in the MLB is. 
But I think him as a pl- straight-up hitter would win the MVP right now. Oh, 100%. Forgetting just how he's coming out every six days and pitching at an all-star level, he's an MVP just as a hitter. It's incredible what he's doing. I mean, the whole year he has almost, he's hitting 306 with almost 400 OPS, OBS, on-base percentage. That's incredible. Those are historic stats. He's coming out and still pitching. It's wild what he's doing. He's changing the game of baseball. And it, and then hitting that 30th home run, what was it, 493 feet? Yep. It's incredible. It's absolutely insane what he's doing to the game of baseball. It's, it's not even fair to have him play. He shouldn't be allowed to play in the MLB because he's too good. Sean, am I going out on a limb saying he's the greatest athlete on the planet? No. He is. He is. He is. It's, no, uh, no, one, no one else in the world yeah. can do what he does in their sport. And you kind of talked about changing the game. It's going to change the, the game for these young guys, and especially college guys. There, You look at a college team, there's a lot of switch guys. And before, it's like, all right, pick one. If you're a good hitter, you'll hit. I mean, think about Jacob DeGrom. He was a great hitting shortstop, and they said, your arm's too good, you got to be a pitcher. But now these guys are like, maybe I could do this. I don't think they'll let it ever, ever, ever be another Shohei Otani, but it's possible. Well, there's a guy at Florida right now that was just a finalist for like the Golden Spikes, like the best player in college baseball. It's a two-way. He led college baseball in homers and also pitched. I mean, it's not a pipe dream. If a coach says, you got to pick one, why, why pick one when there's a guy who's about yeah. to make $600 million for doing both? Exactly. I mean, I, I would want to make $600 million doing, <laughs> you know, doing something that's never been done. But again, I've said it ad nauseum, but he's doing it in today's game. He is striking out and pitching against the best hitters that has ever walked the world. And he's hitting against pitching that has never been seen before. And just sticking with that pitching... It's just, it's interesting where it's, look, Olympic world records and Olympic records are always beating beat, right? Because technology is always getting more advanced. We know how the human body works more and more every year with science and kinesiologists and physical therapists. And that's just happening with pitching where the pitching is just getting better and better and with driveline, the spin's getting better. But at the same time, guys aren't going seven innings, but you know, the Rays kind of started this frontier. As time goes on, it's going to be all staff where you just carry like 14, 15 pitchers and you just piece together games. And in the Kershaw, we've talked about this, but it's going to become anomalies, the guy who could go six innings because you got to throw 100 to keep up with these hitters. But yep. again, Shohei Otani, I mean, 30 home runs before July, unreal. All right, I want to talk about that the, we've talked about how great the, the game of baseball is looking, but there's some data to back it up. Over 1.5 million fans attended MLB games last weekend for a third consecutive weekend, leading to the first back-to-back weekends of at least 35,000 fans per game since 2015. And overall, attendance is up 7.8% over last year. So this game is on the ups. We talked about the success of the new rules a lot on this podcast, but for a commissioner in a sport with a lot of backlash, there's no reason 
to to not tip our cap. So again, we'll tip our cap. Happy these uh, these new rules are working, and now that I now people are going to the ballpark. Here's here's the reason that baseball there's a difficulty. The difference between watching the game at home and going to a game for a basic fan, it's too large of a divide, right? I, for me, football's better on TV. Football's just, I think it televises so well, it's better on TV, even basketball. Baseball is just so much better at the, at the stadium. Just, it's just, I mean, obviously it's fun to go to games and that's part of the mystery of it. But baseball's just so much better watching it live, just seeing guys throw so hard in real life than on the TV. But the issue is people don't get that opportunity to compare them because of these blackouts. So great, all these people are going to the games. I just talked about attendance. But until, Sean, if I'm out of the house, I can't watch Angels games. Yeah. I have direct TV and Spectrum and I'm able to stream Dodgers. I'm not able because MLB TV's blacked out. And then Bally Sports West is blacked out on the two streaming when you're outside the house. I can't watch Angels games. I'm in I'm in Los Angeles and I can't watch the Los Angeles Angels if I'm not in my home. That makes no sense. Right? So even Shohei, why isn't he marketed? Because local people can't even watch it. They, it just it just doesn't make sense and it just needs to be fixed. I mean, it's over and over, but Great people are going to the ballpark. I'm happy about that. I read those stats, but people need to be watching it. People need to be, you need to be able to tune in. You need to be, it's just, that's just, it makes no, it makes no sense. I mean, I absolutely agree with you. The fact that I can't just turn on my TV and watch Dodger games is terrible. they, They make all these rule changes and everything they do to build up the viewership of baseball and then don't allow people to watch baseball. It really, it's so counterintuitive. It's not, it's making people do so much work. And listen, I love baseball. I love the Dodgers. So we'll figure out ways and do whatever we have to do to be able to watch Dodger games in my house. But if you're a casual fan or you're just getting into baseball, are you going to go through all that? If you're going to buy a whole new spectrum just to watch Dodger games, probably not. But if you could just turn on whatever you have and watch Dodger games, they'd probably get into it. You'd add more fans. It's really terrible. It needs that's I completely agree with you. That needs to be the first thing changes offseason. Again, you're marketing towards the casual fans. And so on one hand, it's unfair to the real fans that they have to go through a lot of logistics to be able to watch their local team. But a casual fan is not gonna get MLB TV and get a VPN and put it on their Roku or their Apple. That's just too much to ask of a casual fan. So it becomes impossible to grow a game and a game that relies on team base, right? Football, you'll watch any team, I, I, right? We have our teams, but that Silly. is a sport. We talked about fantasy. You're trying to watch as many as you can. Even basketball, you put on a good game, but a game with 162 games, it comes down to the team. So for a sport that relies on localness, a sport that for 145 years, the colors of a team has been passed on from generation to generation within families and chosen families. And then you take that, you suck that out by you can't watch your local team. It's, um, it's awful. 
it's embarrassing and it needs to be fixed. Like that Absolutely. should just that should have been the conversation before the new rules. But don't try to make new rules. Don't try to do anything else to the game before you make the game able to watch. We've talked about it, but you could have the best product in the world, but if it's not available to consumers, it does not matter. All right, I want to talk the All-Star game. The uh, the All-Star voting is over. I'm going to quickly read off the All-Star game starters for the National League and American League for those who maybe missed it, or just as jogger as we kind of have this conversation. So National League at DH, J.D. Martinez, Sean Murphy will be behind the plate catching, Freddie Freeman at first base, Luis Arez, almost Mr. 400, will be representing the Marlins. Third base, no surprise, Nolan Nolan Arenado. Orlando Arcia at short. The outfield will be comprised of Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna Jr., and representing the Diamondbacks and Corbin Carroll. Looking at the American League side of things, no surprise, DH and Shohei Otani catching Jonah Heim. Good first name. First base, Yandy Diaz. And another Ranger, Marcus Semyon at second. Josh Jung, another Ranger at third. Another Ranger at short. Corey Seager, happy to see him doing well. Looking at the outfield, no surprise, Mike Trout, Aaron Judge. And then also doing the duties in the outfield for the American League, Randy Orozarena. Arena. So looking at this, just some notable observations. Dodgers have their biggest group of all-star starters since 1980. And it should have been even bigger with Will Smith. I'll get into that in a sec. But also notable, Rangers got four. So pretty cool to see. For me, the only thing that just kind of catches my eye is this is bias. Will Smith. He just hasn't gotten recognized. He's been the best catcher in Major League Baseball since 2019 and still hasn't started an All-Star game. Will he be on the reserves? Probably, but that's not good enough for me. But other than that, any surprises for you or, or changes looking at these at these 2023 MLB All-Stars? Yeah, I don't know how much of it is biased as Dodger fans, but I would have loved to seen Will Smith in there. He's been so phenomenal this year, and, and we saw when... There's games he's not playing, and then when he plays, when he's put into that lineup, how much of a difference he makes, how important he is. And I even saw, watching the game yesterday, I was talking about how many stolen bases the Dodgers have against them, but that Will Smith this season has a top 10 pop time. Top 5, so actually. So it's, it's the stolen bases. Yeah, it's top just five the pitchers the messing five. him up. He has a top 5 pop time. Yeah, so it, it's it's really not him. He's been a good defensive catcher. He's been able to get the ball to second. Just the pitches are so slow to home. That doesn't really give him a chance. So, I mean, he's if he has the defensive stuff, we know how good of a hitter he is. So I think he should have been there. But other than that, I don't really have anything big. I mean, it's awesome to see four Rangers. The fact that they've gone from one of the worst teams in baseball for the last little while to four all-star starters is incredible yeah and looking at the the national league there is three dodgers and three braves so six out of the nine are either a dodger or a brave yeah and i love seeing the new guys i love seeing the jonah himes even luis Suarez getting the nod but there's something just so that just warms my heart about seeing aaron judge mike trout even mookie betts even nolan arenado mm-hmm. it's just uh Especially just Mike Trout. Like, it's just comfort to know that 10 years ago he was starting the All-Star game and now he's starting the All-Star game. It's always fun seeing new guys get the nod, but it's just awesome. But obviously the starting pitchers has not been announced because that doesn't go through voting. So 
Any ideas on who you think those starting pitchers will be or who you would give the the nods for the AL and NL? So I'd go for the AL, I'd go Shane McClanahan. It's a good choice. Of the Rays. I mean, he's 11-1 this year, 2-5-3 ERA, and almost 100-inning pitch, 101 strikeouts, 1.17 whip. He's been the ace for the best team in baseball. He's been incredible the entire year. He's so reliable. So I think he's he would be the all-star starter for the AL. And then for the NL, it's it's tough. There's a lot of good options. I mean, I would love to say with a bias and go Kershaw. I think Elder could get could get it from the Braves. I mean, even but I think you have to go Zach Allen. Yeah. I think you have to. He's been so incredible this year. I think he's a Cy Young right now, probably. And I, I think he'd get he'd get the all-star start. I mean, just over three ERA and over a hundred innings pitched, 108 strikeouts, 10 and two is the ace for one of the most surprising teams this year. He's been phenomenal. So he'd be my NL starter. The starting pitchers of an all-star game, it's not who has the best stats for the first half of the year. It's who's been great and needs this opportunity and has been great this year. So I'm going to start with AL. I want to go Shohei, but again, it's this turn thing for me. He got his turn in 2021. So I got to go Cole. He's never been selected. You got to go on the report card. And he has the stats. He's 8-1, and 278 ERA, 113 Ks. It just really be cool to see Garrett Cole on the mound to start the All-Star game. Another idea would be Luis Castillo just because he's the home team. They, they did that with Kershaw last year even sure. though he deserved it and that's why he got it over Sandy Alcantara last year but he doesn't have the stats for me. It's Garrett Cole. He he needs to do it at some point and he has the stats this year so both there's no shoe-ins for either league. Like there's there's no guy where I'm like oh Absolutely. this is obvious. Again, the NL is tougher. I could see it going to Elder. I could see it going to Steel. But they're having breakout years. This is not a position. It's about honor. This is not about who's having a breakout year. It's who deserves it, right? And so I'm going with you, Zach Allen, right? He had that consecutive shutout innings from last year going into this year, got in the mainstream media. He's 10-2 and with a 3.02 ERA, 6 in NL in Ks with 108. He hasn't gotten the recognition he's deserved. Also, I do think that Kershaw would be a great choice, but he's pretty much hurt right now, and he got the nod last year. I think if he didn't get it at home last year, he would have gotten it this year, but he did. So I got to go Zach Gallen. I agree. Um, I like these two picks. It'll be really interesting to see who they go with. The So the managers will be Dusty Baker and the the Phillies manager. So we'll see. We'll see, but... uh. It's Lock O'Clock now. We have Showtime. We have also Lock O'Clock. Uh, we both got the shared dub last week. You're four, four up on me. You have 12 now. Pretty sure Pretty sure I'm at a... Yeah, you're at 12. I'm at nine, actually. So you got you got three more than me, but who's your, who's your lock for the coming week? So I'm going to take the hot Cincinnati Reds. I thought about that. It's a, it's a four game with the Nationals traveling to Washington. But they've been so good. You think they'll take they've three been out of so four? so good recently. I think they'll get three out of four. Because you don't want the... If they split, then you're going to be 12 and 1 and 1. I know. I know. But I'm really confident in them. They've been great so far this year. 
I was so in this last couple of weeks, they've been so good, and I think they're going to keep it going here against the Nationals. All right, for me, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the second-to-worst team in baseball in the Kansas City Royals are coming off playing the Dodgers and are flying to Minnesota to take on the AL Central leaders in the Twins. Seems like a good lock to me, so, so lock it in. All right. Leading up to the NFL season, we're going to start this weekly predicted division. So we're going to start with in the AFC. We're going to start in the West, move to the North, the South, then the East, and then switch over to the NFC. But to start things off, what are the division rankings for the AFC West, Sean? So I'm going to start at the top, and I think this is an absolute guarantee. Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, they're staying at the top of that division. I think the Chargers are going to stick at two. They improved some of their offense. If they can stay healthy this year, I think that they'll stay in that two spot as a wild card team. I think the only switch in this division is going to be the Broncos will move up past the Raiders. I think they've, again, really high expectations, adding Sean Payton. People think that they're going to turn this entire team around. And I just don't think that they're that talented. But I think that they'll pass the Raiders. I think the Raiders will be one of the worst teams in football this year. Jimmy G leading a pretty bad team. Their only real star being Devontae Adams, and he's not going to be able to carry a team. So that's my order. I think yours is good, and I think it's correct. But for the sake of argument, I'm going to switch one thing. So Raiders will be at the bottom. They don't have a quarterback. Chiefs will be at the top. I could see the Chargers falling off a little bit, and I want to believe in Sean Payne. I want to believe that your old favorite, Russell Wilson, will do his job. So I'm going to switch them. I think they'll have around the same record. Bron- I mean, Broncos went five. I agree. I think yeah, it'll be close. Be, it'll be close. Chargers were 10-7 and seven last year. I think that can move to eight. Broncos were 5-12. and 12. I think they could add three wins, also get to around eight wins. You know, go 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 eight and nine or nine and eight. So I think those will be close, but there's some Bronco in my blood. So I'm going to put the Broncos above the Chargers. But let's switch right into, let's pivot right into our fun question. So this is uh this could have been our baseball section, but I wanted to make this our fun question. We talked about it a little bit, but now we have kind of some data. Um, so they polled major league baseball players and they asked them what city they wanted to expand to, right? All these talks about a team moving to Vegas, but in terms of expansion, so 2% of major league players said they'd want to see a team in Salt Lake city or Vancouver. 4% said Portland, 5% went for Austin or Charlotte. 10% for Montreal. Do you want to guess what had a whopping 69%? I mean, those are all 10% or lower. Some of them sharing small percentages. Who is at pretty much 70%? I have no clue. All right, so 69% of players want a baseball team in Nashville, Tennessee. So my fun question, if it was up to you, Commissioner Sean Spall for Major League Baseball, you got to add a team. Where you Where are you putting it? Well, I think I think Nashville would be really cool. I think Nashville would get a lot of fans. I think it's in a great area. I think I think it'd be really cool in Nashville. I think I'd add to Nashville. All right. So I'm in the West Coast one at West Coast team, right? I I think Nashville would be cool. It has this spirit, but it's back east. I think it'd be great. I, I think it's a great option. But I think Salt Lake City would be fun. I think a Utah has the beautiful landscapes if you could find a way to get yeah. 
You know, the mountains. I, I got to go to Utah last year. I went to Bryce and Zion. It is just a beautiful, beautiful state. And to put a baseball team there, I think would be really cool. But here's my point. They will add two teams the next 10 to 15 years, and they're going to realign it. It's going to look like football, I think. They're going to get to 32 teams. They're going to have four divisions, a league, and four teams each. Baseball, right, it's it's kind of knocking on the door with the expanded playoffs, right? There's more than a few wildcard teams since the last expansion. Yeah. The balanced schedules also knocking on the door that they will realign Major League Baseball in the next 10 to 15 years. But, uh, Sean, you got to wrap it up here. You got a game for me? I do have a game for you. All right, so let's it's going it. to be in two like sections kind of. Okay. Um so I'm going to have you guess the AL then the NL top 5 in MVP odds. Okay? Oh, right now? Yeah, right now. So okay. who do you who's who's the top 5 in the AL? Shohei Otani. Easily. AL's tough. AL's tough. AL's tough. Pit. That is tough. Are they are they all hitters? They're all hitters. No pitchers. Okay. Yandy Diaz. No. No. Bobichet. No. Nope. Yeah, Bobichet's four. Jose Ramirez on there. No. Oh my God, this is tough. Wait, I forgot. Think, Did think you say teams. pitchers? No pitchers. No pitchers. Okay, so the I mean, left are our team. Like think like. Whose teams are doing really well, and who's the best player on those teams? All right, so there's the Rays. Mm-hmm. Oh, so Randy Rosarina. No, Rosarina's at six. Why? You got a teammate. Wander Franco? Wander Franco's at three. Okay, so who's another team the doing next well? Two, the next two are teammates. Oh, they're both on... Oh, are they uh, Rangers? They are Rangers. Semyon? He's five. Seeger? Seeger's two. All right, so that's... All right, read me. That was five, right? Yeah. All right, read them off. But to give to give some context, Shohei's minus 1,400 or more, depending yeah. on where you look. Second place, Corey Seeger is plus 3,000. Dang. So he's pretty much a lock. But Shohei, Corey Seeger, <laughs> Wander Franco, Bo Bichette, Marcus Semien. Wow. Okay. Okay, you want to guess National League? Yeah, AL Luis Arez. Luis Arez is four. Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman's two. Ronald Acuna Jr. He's one. Bookie Betts. Three. Five's top. I'm going to go... Corbin Carroll? Corbin Carroll. Yeah. That was perfect. Five Yeah, and has those heavyweights. Yeah. Acuna, Freeman, Mookie Betts, Arias, Corbin Carroll. AL's not a competition, and it should have been last year. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that was a good one. I like that. But uh, you've been listening to the JSK Media Sports Podcast. Consider sharing our podcast or rating it. We want to build up the, the traction and the family here over at JSK. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time.